Greetings. We offer these podcasts freely, and your support really makes a difference. To make a donation, please visit tarbrock.com. Namaste and welcome. I'd like to begin with a story. A couple had uh, two young boys, aged six and eight, and they were real terrors in the sense that they never listened to anything their parents said, and they wreaked havoc all the time, and the parents finally threw up their arms in dismay and decided that they would get in touch with a clergyman in town who had a reputation of having a strong and steady hand with young people who weren't really listening to their parents. So he agreed to speak with the boys, but he said on one, the one rule was he wanted to speak with them individually. So the eight-year-old went first, and the clergyman sat him down in front of him, and he asked him very sternly, Where is God? <laughs> and the boy didn't make a response, so the pastor raised his voice and said even more sternly, Where is God? And again, the boy is kind of like, didn't, have, <laughs> didn't know what to say. So even louder now with his finger in the boy's face, Where is God? You know, At that point, the boy bolted from the room, ran directly home, uh, slammed the door, locked himself in the closet. His older brother follows him in and says, well, what happened? And the younger brother said, "Uh, we're in big trouble this time. God is missing and they think we did it. (laughs) So this is the trouble we get into when we don't listen which is our, our theme. Uh, we'll be doing this week and next week on uh, listening because whether it has to do with listening inwardly to our, to our own life, to our loneliness and our fears and our sorrows, our listening to each other, our listening to our earth, listening to, to the mystery, um, we can't be intimate with our world if we don't know how to listen. So I want to invite you to really think of listening in the broadest sense and if you, if you weren't here and for, for our meditation tonight you can, you'll find it was recorded and it's a, a meditation a bit on the power of listening. One of my favorite stories about listening, and I'm going to take the uh, title of the talk, will be called Listening to the Song. It comes from this story of an African tribe where um, the birth date of the child is counted not from when they're born by our standards or when they're conceived, but from the day the child was a thought in the mother's mind and from that day on the woman decides she's going to have a child and that fills her and she goes off and sits under a tree by herself and she listens until she hears the song of the child that wants to come. And that's when, the, that's the beginning of the child's life in that sense. And then when she's heard that song she teaches it to the fa- father who's going to be the child's father and um, then they, they make love and physically to conceive the child and sing the song to the child to invite it in. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, 
And then the mother teaches a song to the midwives and old women in the village. So when the child arrives, the women are around her and the midwife, and they sing the song to welcome the child. And then as the child grows up, the other villagers are taught the child's song. And so if they fall down, hurt themselves, or whatever happens, people can come and start singing their song to them. And during rites of puberty, the song is sung, honoring them. And this just goes through their life, through marriage, the songs are sung. And finally, even when this being's ready to die, all the villagers know their song. So when they're lying there, that they hear at the very end of their life, their song is being sung to them. So I heard this story uh, probably 30-some years ago. And just, I love sharing it with you, because whenever I think of it, there's such a level of intimacy, of listening to uh, beingness, to who we are beyond our, our personality that comes with it. So we'll think of these two, um, two times of exploring listening together as listening to the song. And it's really the art of receptive presence. It's like, how do we be here in a way that really doesn't block the life that is coming to us? So we'll explore some of the teachings and the practices. And to say, of course, timing-wise, it feels very appropriate that we'd start doing this formal attention to the listening right now. It's such a time of, of... political dividedness and societal dividedness and a lack of listening in our society. In fact, the less people listen to each other, the louder they get and more strident and the more twittering and it just becomes a cacophony, but nobody's listening to each other. So if you imagine what it would be like in our society if we had people that when they disagreed, knew how to pause and deepen their attention and actually listen. Um, It would be the beginning of truly a healing in our world. So we'll begin by kind of doing a reflection together because I think of, of listening as not another thing on the checklist of being a good spiritual person. It's, it's a very deep capacity. Well, I wonder, let me ask you this first. How many of you feel like on some level you're actively working on your capacity to listen? How many is it very in your consciousness? Raise your hand high so I can kind of look around. Okay, so it's kind of, it's, it's right there for many. Okay. If you close your eyes for a moment to reflect... And I invite you to bring to mind someone you know who's a really good listener, okay? Somebody who's a really good listener. And you might notice as I ask that maybe there's not a huge number that come to mind. But see if you can let one person kind of come forward in your mind as a really good listener. And see if you can sense, so what are the qualities of that person's heart and mind that really make them good at listening? What's the main qualities that 
you're aware of that that person has that allow them to listen. You can keep on reflecting and open your eyes when you'd like, but I'd like to hear just a little bit from the room, like what are the qualities, if you could just name a word, and if you raise your hand I'll point and please speak loudly. Empathy. Empathy. Gentleness. Curious. Curious. Generous. Generous. Care. Care. Patient. Patient. Compassion. Compassion. Focus. 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 Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Presence. Presence. No judgment. No judgment. So by the way, these are this is beautiful because that it is that weave, and um, when you let yourself consider that weave, these are all dimensions of a receptive presence, this kind of openness and not judging and compassion and empathy, the qualities that are there. And these are the qualities in terms of um, spiritual archetypes of the bodhisattva of compassion in in Buddhism and every tradition has some expression but in the Buddhist tradition Kuan Yin or the bodhisattva of compassion a bodhisattva is an awakening being listens to the cries of suffering from all over the world and as it said that in that listening there's kind of a a shattering open so that into tens of thousands of parts to respond to the world um, from that care. But the beginning is this incredible presence that is utterly receptive to what's going on around. And so this is what we try to cultivate. And we'll explore what stops us and how we build it, but first a little bit of um, the research on it and so on, which is always so interesting, which starts by saying that 85% of what we know, we know through listening. And then we go on to say, but 75% of the time we're distracted, preoccupied, or forgetful, or worse. You know, we're in reaction in some way, so we're we're just 75% of the time. After listening, the average person recalls 50% of what has been said, and then one hour later, 20%. And the bottom line is that we on an average, the average person listens at only 25% efficiency. How many of you are just listening to those statistics? (laughs) I'm going to test you now. (laughs) So, the only thing we really need to know is that listening requires us to be here now. And most of the time we're not. We're in some form of a trance. An elderly man was wondering if his wife had a hearing problem, so one night he stood behind her while she was sitting in her lounge chair. He spoke softly to her. Honey, can you hear me? No response. He moved a little closer and said, Honey, can you hear me? Still, no response. Finally he moved right behind her and said, Honey, can you hear me? And she replied, For the third time, yes. And the reason I like that is because 
Another statistic is that when people self-assess on how good they are as a listener, most people evaluate themselves as above average. (laughs) It's really funny. You know how one anonymous person says, we have two ears and one mouth, but it doesn't seem to help, (laughs) you know? We still don't listen, and it's getting worse. And we all know why, right? Technology. In some ways, technology, it impacts our brain in all sorts of different ways. It's, it's such a dramatic change in how information comes to us. And one of the ways is that we get a lot more information poured into us. So we're processing and filtering huge amounts of information, way more than ever before in the history of humans. Um, but we're not doing it in a deep, absorbent way. And so the more plugged we in we are to the in- internet, the more we're in front of a screen, the less capacity to concentrate. One person said, focus. We cannot concentrate, we can't stay with, and we can't absorb so well. And there's a lot of research on the relationship between screen time and ADHD and other attentional difficulties. And it's kind of intuitive that we can get it, that um, the more that... And by the way, some of the research you know, really goes right to the level of dopamine, that if we're constantly having all these different stimuli coming at us, we get addicted to a certain level of stimulation. It's very hard for us to quiet down and take in slower information. We get restless, impatient, It's like nowadays even the microwave for one minute seems too slow, right? (laughs) But you get the idea. So there are all sorts of signs of not listening well. The, The main sign in terms of how well do you listen to your own heart is that if you are continually repeating the same um, emotional challenges, if you keep repeating the behaviors, the thoughts and the emotions over and over again, it means that there's not a listening attention because the only way we can interrupt, intervene and heal is with listening. And it's the same thing with others, that our patterns in relationships, when, when we're unseen and unheard, they just keep repeating and repeating and repeating. And by way of example, A wife is scrambling eggs when her husband bursts into the kitchen. Careful, he says, be careful, you're cooking them, too many at once, too many. Scramble them, now, we need more butter. They're going to stick, careful. Now scramble them again, hurry up. Are you crazy? Don't forget to salt them. You're always forgetting to salt them. Use the salt, use the salt, the salt. The wife turns and asks, what is wrong with you? And husband calmly replies, I just wanted to show you what it feels like when I'm driving. (laughs) (laughs) So we have repeating patterns. And and then, you know, this is the kind of the lighthearted end of it. But as we know... um, when there's not listening between two people, then there's not intimacy. And um, I can describe many rounds of this, but one not so long ago of a student who described how it's seemingly out of the blue 
this is after 30 some years of marriage her husband said he wanted a divorce and um, they went to therapy to talk about it and he said and she said I can't believe you did this so you know like just so suddenly and he said I have been trying to tell you I've been trying to get your attention for the last 15 years you just weren't listening we need to listen for many reasons and we suffer and others suffer when we don't so let's look closer at really what keeps us from listening because the bottom line is that every one of us has the capacity in terms of our brain the frontal cortex is there we can be mindful, empathetic, compassionate we can pay attention to what's going on but what goes on for many of us is when we get stressed we get hijacked by our limbic system and instead of attending, listening, being receptive we go into reactivity and it blocks our attention we're not able to take things in any agenda you have when you're with another person any agenda will end up interfering with real listening you can see it visually when you remember that that line that when a pickpocket sees a saint they see the saint's pocket you remember that one? well it's the same thing with listening when you have an agenda the aperture of the what we take in narrows and I also think of a kind of like the Heisenberg observer effect that we impact what we're paying attention to and the more we want it to be a certain way and we want to control something we want something to happen the more distorted it is and so it's distorted by what we fear and what we want so by way of example a three-year-old who um, was really getting into finger painting and this is how his mother heard him praying our father who does art in heaven <laughs> Harold is his name <laughs> we, over, we take in things but we just stored them and I know that wasn't a great example <laughs> I just thought it was cute so we're going to be you know, kind of exploring this but one thing you can do when you're in a conversation is scan and sense what am I wanting here? I mean, is there some want I have here? do I want this person's approval? do I want to prove something to them? do I want to show how much I know? Um, we can't take in who's there when we're, when we're wanting something the classic story I've told many times is of a man is uh, sitting on a, a bench and, he, and a woman's there and he had, he had just gotten off a, a bus and she said, so where'd you just come from? he's kind of sitting down trying to try to figure out what he's doing next and he said, oh, well I just got out of prison and so she looked at him and she goes oh, so you're single now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. cut she said, why were you in prison? he said, I was there for killing my wife that's when she said, oh, so you're single I knew I missed a very important piece there for you to get it it's one of my favorite of all jokes but, but you get the idea so we have, a, we have an agenda and that's what happens so, 
Let's do a reflection. Just invite you to check this out for yourself. And this would be, uh, bring to mind, if you will, a recent conversation with somebody where you suspect you had a wanting agenda. Something with somebody at work, friend, family, and see if you can remove any self-judgment because most of the time we're wanting or fearing things so this is just a matter of getting more awake to it be curious to take a moment as you remind yourself of the conversation to sense what you might have been wanting did you want get this person to do something a certain way? Do you want to appear a certain way yourself? Often we want approval, affection. Sometimes we want a real favor. And as you remind yourself of this sense into the conversation and see if you can see how your wanting stopped you from really having that receptive listening presence really being wide open to take in another being You can open your eyes when you're ready. Now sometimes our agenda has nothing to do with the other person. Sometimes what we're wanting when we're talking with somebody is to be doing something else. Okay? It, has, it doesn't have anything to do with them. We're wanting to get back to work or to be with somebody else or to have something to eat or whatever it is. Um, William James, this is about 120 years ago, described that we live in this ceaseless frenzy always thinking we should be doing something else can you guys relate to that? always thinking in some way whatever we're doing is on its way to something else and that's one of the wants that restlessness and wanting to be doing something else that actually keeps us from fully being here okay, so there's the wanting agendas then the other thing that keeps us from fully listening is when we're in a conversation and there's fear. We're afraid of how that person's going to judge us in some way. We're afraid that um, they're going to try to take something from us or take our time or in some way hurt us. Um, There's a cartoon I saw that had... uh, the caption was, four words that will make men run for the hills. We need to talk. (laughs) Right? So it's, what is the fear there that can sometimes um, keep us from uh, really listening? We know with children, if we're angry at a child and our anger is coming out at them, it's not like they're going to be able to listen to what we're really trying to say to them. And we know ourselves when we're feeling criticized, how open can we be to really listening? 
we get we we tense against it, um, and it's most uh, obvious when we disagree. Like there's a lot of aversion when people don't agree with us. We really, really don't like having other people think we're not right. Have you noticed that? So we tense against it. And can we listen? Not so well. And a lot of times it's, as I mentioned, a sense of uh, people taking our time. One uh, postmaster general, Edgar Day, he had a strategy that um, wasn't the greatest listening strategy that when somebody was long-winded with him he would hang up in the middle of himself talking because who would hang up on themselves, you know? (laughs) But that was his strategy to get off the phone. And author Carol Matteo writes, the dying process begins the minute you are born but it accelerates during dinner parties. (laughs) So you get the idea that when we have that sense of not enough time our sense of in some way aversion or dislike or fear we don't take so much in and you might close your eyes and reflect on this too this is the second reflection so again to bring up a recent conversation and in this case where there might have been some aversion you might have been bored or intimidated or anxious about something going on or maybe it was anxious about something unrelated to the person but just notice what happens when you when there's that kind of limbic hijack and there's anxiety or boredom or aversion what happens to listening Now there's one fear that I'd like to mention that's even more basic than the ones I've named and that's the fear of not being here that often, rather than listen and really put aside our self-agenda we keep having to reassert we're here and this is a more subtle level but we get uncomfortable and embarrassed when we're not planning our response So you might have noticed how often when people are talking some part of you is already organizing how you're going to respond. It's very hard to put all that down because there's some part of us that feels like we don't know who we are. We lose a sense of ourself when we really open our being to just listen. And I'm naming this because as you hopefully you'll be practicing in the days weeks to come and maybe you won't have any real obvious agenda of wanting something and you won't have any obvious anxiety but you'll still find that you're rehearsing and planning your response and then to take even a bigger leap and sense what would happen if I just didn't prepare to say anything I really put it all down that's when it gets interesting So you can open up your eyes if you'd like. So these are the 
ways you can begin to scan and watch your conversations and start noticing what's between you and a receptive presence. Mark Nebo puts it this way, he says, to listen is to lean in softly with a willingness to be changed by what we hear. I I really love that. To be willing to be changed by what we hear. That's a real undefended heart. I recently did an interview with Krista Tippett, some of you might know of her uh, wonderful program, On Being. One of the things she shared, I was actually interviewing her, which is a reverse for her, Um, but one of the things she shared, I was introducing her about compassion, we're doing a whole process of interviewing a lot of people about compassion, and one of the things she pointed out was the quality or attitude that we approach connecting with each other and the power of a willingness to be surprised. I just want to offer you that, that when with listening, a willingness to be surprised that we really, really are open. So the training in listening takes 10,000 plus hours as with any training for anything that's worthwhile in our lives. It's a real practice. And the understanding is that the quieter you become, the more you hear. It's kind of that simple. And it's not saying you have to be quiet all the time, it's just that when someone else is speaking, that there be an intention to let go of your own processes of comeback or defense or whatever it is, or proving or getting, and just be open. That kind of quietness. Now, as mentioned, we do get stressed, so there's a training in how to deal with it when you get reactive. And the first step, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to walk you through it with um, an example, but the first step of this kind of training is setting your intention. And I'm going to invite each of you um, at the end to choose somebody that you want to actually explore deepening a listening presence with. And we all have somebody in our life that's like a good person to, most, to practice with, safe enough. So the first step is having the intention. And the intention really is towards understanding and connection. We're listening for the sake of really understanding really who are you or what, what, what is it that you really want to communicate? What's going on for you? What's your life like? Understanding and connection. So that's the first step, is just to have the intention that you're going to be showing up in that way. The second step is an inner listening, so that when you're with the person you're aware, oh, there's an agenda, or there's a reaction. Oh, I'm wanting something. Oh, I'm feeling hurt, or I'm feeling confused. So you're aware of what's going on inside, an inner listening. And then the third is offering what St. Benedict calls the ears of the heart to listening to the other, listening with our heart. So I'll give you an example of somebody who was practicing these steps and um, talk a little bit more and then we'll practice together as a way to close. And uh, this is a woman who had uh, done some training in deep listening 
and she uh, knew she was going to be coming back to where her mother lived for to do a professional training for her work and so she decided her mother would be the person she was going to do deep listening with and so she made arrangements to stay with her mom for 10 days this is the longest visit since she had left college so this was a really big deal now her mother was a well-known writer uh, very wealthy, successful um, brilliant and narcissistic woman um, and uh, all who knew her would kid- kiddingly refer to her as the center of the known universe uh, and her mother treated everybody as kind of orbiting satellites and um, she loved to have audiences to regale her with her, her stories um, she was a great storyteller her other daughter who also lived on the other coast uh, never spent time with her because as much as she was entertaining for people close in and her family it wasn't always such a great experience as you could imagine so this woman Kate went to stay with her mother and she knew it was going to be hard um, because her mother was you know, so self-centered and it, was, and it also brought up a lot of stuff like I don't have a mother who really can pay attention or care about me but anyway during their time together she really practiced listening and what she did was she would feel resistance and judgment and resentment and unimportant and she took the time whenever that would came up to she'd bring mindfulness to her own experience and at times when she wasn't with her mother she'd bring some real kindness to feeling I just don't matter, those kind of feelings. So she really did do that U-turn and do inner listening. And when she was able to do that, the more she was able to do that as a couple of days went by, the more she was able to actually be there and start really paying attention to her mother with that kind of inner inquiry of, what's it like for you? She said at first it was hard. She had a panicky sensation. She said, like, I would drown if I didn't get away because that's what it can feel like when people are um, really narcissistic and talking a lot and she said, and if I didn't find a space find a way to get some of my own space it would be suffocating she takes up so much room but she, then she found ways to keep a sense of humor about it and keep taking care of herself on the sidelines and then she started coaching herself and I'm going to come back to this because it really helps to coach yourself when you're listening and she would say now what is happening? my mother is talking I am quiet there is time there is endless time I hear it I hear every word and what is beyond the word I hear who she is those are the kind of coaching messages and she said it got easier to listen and hear what was behind the words and this is the deal the people speak and there's something behind the words that really wants to be heard so she began to hear behind the words desperation as if her mother was saying over and over again I'm here and I matter I'm here and I matter that's what her mother was saying and as she took in her mother's pain it helped her soften her own heart and through her own presence she kept communicating I'm here, you're here and you matter to me and I'm right here her mom started to relax and Kate knew this because there were longer pauses 
between the stories and the commentary. Her mother sat back in her chair more. She looked out the window. She slowed down. She seemed more reflexive, reflective. Several days before she was going to leave, her mom began to tell her that she felt alone and unappreciated. And Kate responded this really sincere, gentle way. She said, Mom, it's because you don't listen to people. Now her mother froze, but she didn't get defensive because Kate had been so truly present. She'd become a safe person, a trustworthy person. Um, she had offered just uncritical sympathy and been there. So this wasn't an attack, it was a caring reflection of truth. So her mother said, okay, please tell me, I need to know more. And Kate told her, she explained how it had been for her sister and for their dad and now for her stepdad. When you don't listen, this is, I'm reading from what she told me, when you don't listen, people feel like they don't matter, that they're not known. And it's true, you can't know them if you don't listen, you can't be close. And Kate described her mom looking at her with this understanding that pierced her heart and something changed. It might have been that the pain of alienation had broken through her defenses or something. But, or maybe it was just her time, but she started to listen. And this was both during the last couple of days, but then after she had left, after her, her sister actually made a visit and said, for the first time in my life I felt like I was a real person to her. I existed. And it was most poignant with uh, her husband. They started actually doing things together again. That it stuffed it like the long dinners and the walks that had ended after, shortly after they got married. So Kate's mom was no longer speaking to demand the world's attention. And she was beginning to connect I'm sharing this story partly because it was a tough one and even though there was a big change things went back and forth and so on but for Kate it was such a wake-up of the potential when you really offer a deep attention to someone else how much they can change and one of the images that, that I love when I talk about this that it reminds me of is um, imagining that life or spirits like this fountain and it gets clogged with unprocessed hurts and fears when we're not listened to. When we're not seen and listened to, the fountain gets clogged. We can't, we can't process, we can't express who we are, we just don't feel we'll be received. And so we start ignoring and pushing away our feelings and they just the flowing aliveness stops. But when someone starts listening to us, the debris that's clogging the fountain gets unclogged. It begins to dissolve and and the fountain's free to flow. And it doesn't happen all at once, of course. Some of the wounding and the clogging has been going on for years. But that's the gift we give to each other. Is that when we hold the presence for somebody without judgment, as one person named, is so important, empathetic presence. It gives, it makes it possible for some of that debris to unclog and for that person who their real spirit and soul is to, to come through, that natural vitality. So we learn to coach ourselves some. 
one woman described her messages to herself in coaching. She said, it's his turn. Just listen. Slow down. Pay attention. This is what he needs. Just over and over again. It's his turn. Just slow down. We need to coach ourselves because we forget. We all forget. This is Thich Nhat Hanh. Deep listening is the kind of listening that can help relieve the suffering of another person. You can call it compassionate listening. You listen with only one purpose, to help them empty their heart. Even if they say things that are full of wrong perceptions, full of bitterness, you're still capable of continuing to listen with compassion because you know that listening like that you give that person a chance to suffer less. If you want to help them correct their perception, you wait for another time. For now, you don't interrupt. You don't argue. If you do, they lose their chance. You just listen with compassion and help them suffer less. One hour like that can bring transformation and healing. Now, for some of you, you might be thinking of people you know and how incredibly painful and hard it would be to do that kind of listening because you would feel yourself that you were being violated. And so I want to reiterate the three steps and one of them is to have the intention to seek understanding and connection. And step two is to do the U-turn and sense where you're feeling um, in some way hurt or reactive and bring as much kindness and compassion to that as possible. And it's not like we can be with just anyone and have them for an hour saying and doing anything. It has to be safe enough. It has to be that we have enough boundaries in taking care of ourselves. But when we can show up in that way, when we can just put it all down and just be there and let someone say what they need to say and just listen, there is something very priceless and beautiful that becomes possible. And I just want to take a few moments before we're going to practice together, but um, just to say that we're focusing right now on listening to each other, listening to our own hearts and each other. But it's this kind of listening that is necessary if we're going to be able to respond to the most vulnerable beings on our planet. If we can't listen and sense where the suffering is, we won't respond. This is how Gary Lawless puts it. He says, When the animals come to us asking for our help, will we know what they are saying? When the plants speak to us using their delicate language, will we be able to answer them? When the planet herself sings to us in our dreams, will we be able to wake ourselves and act? Listening to the song. So for now we'll um, bring our intention to listen to the song with another being in our life, someone that we feel like we'd really like to offer more of a healing attention to. So you might sit however is most comfortable. 
and let this person come to mind that you'd like to explore practicing deep listening with. And you might tell them or you might not see what you feel most serves. But more listening from the heart, with the ears of the heart. And you might begin by uh, examining how listening has been going so far with this person. The, The inquiry is really what has been between me and really listening with an awake heart. What stops me? And see if you can, without any judgment, just as we did earlier, sense into how you might have gotten pulled off from listening, whether it's because you are wanting something, approval or cooperation, whether it's been the fear or aversion, maybe a sense of not enough time. Sometimes what gets in the way is a sense of hierarchy, a sense of being more important or less important, superior or inferior. Sometimes it's that subtle level of needing to assert ourselves, just to feel that we're there. When we're not listening, we tend to be in some way controlling the experience, steering the conversation or getting distracted in our own thoughts or planning our response. You might sense how, how might you have controlled the, the experience some. And sense your intention, what makes this important to you. Your intention to deepen your understanding of what's true for the other person, your intention to connect, to really have more intimacy. And for some you might sense this as the bodhisattva's intention to really be present with an open, undefended heart. And maybe you can imagine a situation that could come up in the next day or a few days where you'll be with that person. And imagine before moving into the situation having some sort of an anchor, maybe your body or your breath, so you can kind of stay present as you're with them. And before moving into the situation itself with them, sense if there's any inner listening that will help you, anything that you might sense could get stirred up, any anxieties or wants that you just bring some kind attention to inside you. So you've done some inner nurturing, 
You've taken care of your own heart some. Frees you up to be with them a little more. And then imagine moving into the situation with them and being with them and them speaking and you with your intention to listen with an undefended heart and perhaps maybe some coaching, some inner coaching that will help you to stay right there. Like simply, there's time. And what's behind the words? Let yourself imagine into the goodness of creating a healing space with your listening. The goodness for them, the goodness for you. The sense of we that emerges when there's a listening presence. And as a way to close this reflection, just come into a state of listening right now to the sounds that are right here. Let there be an inner quietness so you can relax back. Just be the silence that's listening. A receptive listening presence opens us to intimacy with our whole world. We can hear that a bit in this closing poem called Birch by Anne Emerson. Choose one low-hanging leaf, heart-shaped, still attached to Mother Birch, and listen to all it has to say. The sound its slender veins make, turning light to sugar. The excitation of wind. Water sipped through the straws of branches, up from the packed black well of roots. How it and its sisters communicate with birds, and how it refracts the sun in your eyes, searching for the right thing to say and when. The cue will be obvious when it's your turn to speak. Its palm will fall upon yours face down, the lines, sentences touching, the breath of your hand then whispering the language 
the green understands. Thank you for your listening presence. Namaste. For more talks and meditations, and to learn about my schedule or join my email list, please visit tarabrock.com. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.